Could you put it to the left? No. Someone move closer to me. I can try it back a little bit. All right, cool. All right, there oh, we perfect. are. Three, two. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the EG Pop Thunder with your boy, the young, light skin, key sweat. Back, well, first time you're seeing them on the podcast with my guys, Crypto City Pod. To my right, my guy, Chris. I'm to your left. No, viewers right. Oh, nice to meet you. <laughs> viewers right. I speak as a view, the viewers on this. And to my left, my guy, Max. What's going on, everyone? And all the way to the left, my guy, my cousin, David D, Completo21, back, well, well, back and joining me to help host this podcast to talk about crypto. This is an emergency podcast. I was in Miami, and I was actually going to the Heat game when this was happening. And it was no longer the FTX arena. It was the blank arena because they don't have a sponsor no more on topic is when Max hit me up and was like, bro, F you, I need to come back in the pod and we need to do an emergency podcast right now because something major just happened with crypto. And I don't know what happened. I just know that no longer is sponsored by the FTX. So, and I know they were, I didn't even know they were crypto if I'm being completely honest. I never knew what that was. So the FTX is why you hit me up, correct? That is correct. <clears throat> Just about like what ten days ago. Yeah. Um, FTX was a huge exchange, especially here in the U.S. Um, SBF is the CEO's name. His name is Sam Bankman-Fried. He basically scammed a lot of people's assets using their funds to fund other things. Um, there's some controversy that he used the funds to lobby for the Democratic Party during the middle midterms. Just this past month, um, he bought penthouses in the Bahamas and basically just scammed a lot of, uh, of our, you know, consumer funds and consumer assets. Um, so it was a huge debacle that, you know, the media coverage the past two weeks and the crypto market has been tanking since. And like you said, FTX was sponsoring the arena. Tom Brady was involved. Uh, you know, Steph Curry was involved. There's a lot of people involved with this. Um, so this has been one of the biggest collapse. I'm not sure if people are familiar with Enron. And what has happened with the Lehman Brothers back in the 2008 financial crisis. But these were big um, black swan events that happened in the market where companies belly up and they're not solvent anymore. And they, you know, file bankruptcy, uh, file uh, bankruptcy, banks, chapter 11 bankruptcy. And um, yeah, it just was just huge. And I, that's why I hit you up, honestly, because this was a big talk talking point in the market. Yeah, I mean, last time we were here, we had uh, So Prosperous on. That would be coming out at some point. And you were teaching us, and my, uh, I had a friend here as well. She was off camera, and she said that she learned a lot that podcast. And Dave is just like how me and Jerry were. He doesn't know much about crypto. So hearing that, Dave, what's your thoughts when you hear stuff like that? Are you like, is that scare you away from getting into crypto even more? Um, it, it, it makes me think about, like, well, like what's in it for the long run, right? Like I, I think um, it kind of makes it seem like you have to really know what company you're working with when dealing with crypto. And if you're not like very educated on that topic or if you don't have that education, it's like how do I make sure that I'm not making an investment that's going to screw me over in the long run? So hearing yeah. that, Crypto City Pod, what's your rebuttal to that? <clears throat> Honestly, valid point. You're pretty accurate. You need to, in any form of investing, right? You need to do DYOR, which is do your own research, you know. Um, that's definitely something we want to, you know, say right here, right now, while this live stream is going on. This is not financial advice. We empower everyone to educate themselves and do their own research and do their own due diligence when 
investing your own funds into any project. It could be stocks, bonds, but here we're talking about crypto, right? And also, happy Thanksgiving to everyone listening in, um, to all our American audience, as well as um, Latino Sanguivin. For uh, sure. So, Pernil. <laughs> but um, to answer your question, getting back to the topic, um, you're correct. You just need to focus on and discipline yourself on to know what you're investing into. And when it comes to crypto, this don't think of it as companies. They're more like projects. And and Chris could correct me here, but are they? Would you consider them like companies? I mean, they are companies, but so they're actually they're in between companies and something more like gold. Uh, gold can't go bankrupt. The S and P five hundred can't go bankrupt. But Apple can go bankrupt if they manage their funds properly. Um, the biggest thing with the FTX thing is. It's not Bitcoin. It's not cryptocurrency. It is a bank that deals with cryptocurrencies that was doing something completely illegal. He was taking money that was, uh, whether it was institutions or people, and taking that money and directly using it for whatever he wanted. His, it came out that him and his parents bought hundreds of millions of dollars worth of houses in the Bahamas. Um, he gave $50 million to the DNC. Um, they used it to gamble in the market and think, you know, with their own token, the FTX token, whether it was going to go up or down. Um, so they did a lot of illegal things. So it's more like Enron than anything, but. So for amateurs for people like we may not understand, because sometimes people get lost in these type of, you know, discussions. So basically that's like a, a CEO of bank of America, citizens bank dealing with people who are investing their money, hard cash and, and then just take everyone's money and then spending it. Think think about it. You went to the bank. You just got a $1,000 check from your job. You deposit into the bank. You deposit in the bank. Your bank account on your phone is showing you that you have, let's say, $20,000. Cool. Well, the $20,000 isn't actually there. It's in someone else's account. And all of a sudden, on the snap of a finger one day, he just walked away. And you now don't have anything left. But and the way the media frames it, because on the outside looking at it, Master of David would agree to this. Mm -hmm. On the outside looking in, it, it seems like, crypto went bankrupt opposed to ftx and like when you see that you're like oh my god stay away from crypto then yeah. that'll basically be saying like oh well stay away from money because the owner of bank america took my money so that's the narrative that they want to put out there was actually some senators that came out yesterday and said oh we need to they were actually trying to get F um fidelity to stop issuing bitcoin to their clients and their customers and that's one of the narratives that they're trying to push forward is that hey this is bitcoin that failed but no it's not bitcoin that failed ftx was no different than Robinhood, than uh lehman brothers and enron they're just a company that was managed poorly and actually did things illegal and one of the things that's really frustrating as an industry um being in the industry is that he still hasn't been arrested <laughs> like he yes. was taking tens of billions of dollars from institutions from people from hedge funds from pension funds and he's still doing what he wants to do and you have someone like um bernie madoff that stole hundred tens of millions of dollars 100 million dollars whatever it was he got 150 years in jail and he was arrested basically you know on spot and so how is it that sbf can now live I don't, it's been, it's been over two weeks and he's still not in prison. So I don't know what's going on with the U S government, but it's, it's very shady, business. very shady. That's what's, what's going on. Yeah. But no, the, it's a very simple point. This has absolutely ironically nothing to do with what Bitcoin is and what it stands for. And over this podcast, we'll, you know, hope to be able to show you how, if anything, this should make you want to own Bitcoin and want to 
self-custody your own Bitcoin so that this doesn't happen. Because this isn't the first time in our industry that this has happened. This is too many handfuls of times and it's actually really frustrating. Um, so I've been in the space for about five years and this has happened God knows how many times and it's just how many times you have to see the same story over and over and over again before people are like, you know what? We're done with this. We're going to change. Do you think this is one of the biggest, like, one of the biggest times has happened yeah. in the crypto world. So this is, in my opinion, is the second largest time. The largest time, in my opinion, is Mt. Gox. Um, you might see this called MTGOX, the Magic the Gathering Online Exchange. Um, back in 2013, it basically had like 70% of all Bitcoin trading. And it the founder, someone got caught with like the Silk Road. And basically overnight, they shut it down. So there was really nowhere to get Bitcoin. And I mean... FTX is probably about 15 to 20 percent of the total market right now. So there's a huge difference. Um, Binance actually represents about 60, 60, 70 percent. Um, so if that goes under, that might be more like 2013. But this is bad. It, it's definitely a bad look. It's definitely uh, leaves a bad taste in a lot of uh, senators mouths, especially on the Democratic side, because they're the ones that took 50 million dollars from this fraudster. And now they have to answer the, the American people. Yeah. So, David, this uh. We're going to start off with you. We're going to turn you around. Well, Max and Chris are going to turn you around, but you're saying that kind of steers you off. When you see that on the news article recently, is that what you're thinking? Like, It, um, it made me realize, because like, it's true what you guys are saying about the articles, because a lot of it is like that I'm seeing on Google. It's cryptocurrencies. Or it's like a bad, bad look, or like cryptocurrencies are going down. Mm -hmm. And now you're explaining it that way, and it's like, well, they just changed the narrative to push what they wanted to push. Yeah. And um, people are going to believe that because they're like, oh, no, why wouldn't I be believe a reputable news source? Well, because the news source is probably not even reputable at that point. Yeah, they're probably getting paid off. Who knows what direction they're going in. They probably got money from SBF himself. Yeah. I mean, the, there was a chart that was put out in how much money he had actually invested in inside and outside projects. He had stake in Robinhood. He had stake in Sequoia Capital. These are all traditional entities that don't really have much crypto relation at all and god knows how who else he gave money to yeah just so we can end off on the we'll get just ending off on this topic of ftx how do they have a one billion dollar loan they hasn't paid off yet so how how was miami how was the heat organization or the owner of the arena getting paid i know they're trying to go after him now and they're trying to re re rebuke so their funds the guy that did that uh, did the bankruptcy for Enron actually said he's doing the bankruptcy for FTX now. He said this is a million times worse than the fraud at Enron happened. He was like, there was no accounting done whatsoever. There was nothing. So he was like, this was a joke. Like, and I, it's it's amazing how uh, most institutions do their due diligence when they want to invest in a company. But if you are a multi-billionaire or you're one of the most trusted companies in the space and you don't really do your due diligence that much, then another institution is going to come in and be like, well, I'm assuming they did their due diligence. So I'm not going to have to do my due diligence. So if it's cool with them, it's cool with me. And then, you know, so down the line. And so that's, that's a large part of what happened, but he was basically just directly taking people's money and giving it to somebody else. It's that simple. That's crazy. So it sounds like a big Ponzi scheme in the grant scheme of things. <clears throat> Pretty much. Honestly, it was a big Ponzi scheme at the end of it all. It was very, Again, it's a huge scandal, but going back to your thought before we move on from FTX mm -hmm. about the media saying that cryptocurrency is broken. Honestly, Vitalik, he's a famous uh, character in the, the market, in the industry. He's the creator, co-founder of Ethereum. It's the second largest uh, digital asset in yeah. the market. Um, it's a, that technology is different from Bitcoin, but 
those two assets um, are the two largest in market cap. But long story short, Vitalik always says that the technology is sound. It's the characters that, you know, conduct business around it that are flawed. Like SBF, the person, the CEO of FTX. Uh, there was a few collapses this past year, like Terra Luna. We could, we could run down a list of like companies that have shown insolvency and they went bankrupt this past year alone in 2022. So the narrative has definitely been, especially as we come near to the end of the year with December approaching, there's always going to be like, you know, the wrap-up of 2022. The wrap-up of 2022, it seems like, you know, stay away from crypto. It's bad for you. It's bad investment. But again, hopefully in this podcast and just in general, we encourage people to just learn about the technology that's behind it all. Um, so... You know, for sure. So getting back to, so we start off right off the jump of why you guys wanted to come on the podcast. For those tuning in or who's going to tune in after the fact, what, to start off basically, for those who don't know, like the me and the Davis of the world, how would you explain crypto to the average person walking the street who doesn't know, who's scared to put their money in and invest? So first off, the first thing I would say is, what Bitcoin is and what cryptocurrency are are completely different things. And the most important one in the space is Bitcoin. So Bitcoin is is not what people think it is. And if the most important thing to learn about Bitcoin is to kind of forget everything you thought you've learned and just start from scratch. So when people think of Bitcoin, they just think of money on the Internet. And while that's part of it, that's not the whole point of it. The biggest point of Bitcoin is a decentralized platform that allows for anyone to interact with the space without any intermediary being able to say, no, you can't do this. And so you can transact with Bitcoin and send messages. You can send Bitcoin um, to other people. They don't care what race you are, what nationality you are. Like, it doesn't matter if you're even human, to be completely honest. And so the, the, initi the initiative behind Bitcoin is to have your own custody of your own decentralization um, by through be able to transfer value. And so I compare Bitcoin to gold. It's mostly digital gold. Um, so if you think about the properties of what gold is, then that is essentially kind of what Bitcoin is, but it's also a lot more because it's also the platform part of it. Um, something like Ethereum is more like a shopping mall where it has those properties of Bitcoin, but at the same time, it allows for the building and development of other projects on the uh, the platform itself. So if you think about like the province place mall, we're all in Rhode Island. Um, the number, when you compare that to like something like the Warwick Mall, the more big businesses going to that mall, the more people shopping at that mall, the more valuable it's going to be. And so um, there's a lot of comparables to Ethereum, but if you just think about platforms like that as just shopping malls, it makes things a lot easier to understand. So a shopping mall essentially with different products. So and so because you said it's a shopping mall, but um, is it like the more products that are available, the more powerful that like is? So think about it's not necessarily products. It's more about different businesses being built. Um, that's that's the biggest thing. So you have a lot of different um, projects that are building on top of Ethereum. Just like in the mall, you have lots of different companies like you have uh nike you have adidas you have cvs you have um all different pr companies and products doing different things and so that's essentially kind of what it's like on ethereum in in order to bring it to a real world comparison okay 
on, so he he uses the shopping mall as a, the analogy. I think of Ethereum as it's a blockchain. What people don't like, if you don't know what blockchain is, is a distributed ledger. Um, think of like uh, if anybody has used Google Sheets before. Um, it's like a shared Excel sheet that holds transactions, that hold records, that's um, open source, meaning that anybody publicly can at any point go in and check who spent what transaction has happened. One cool thing that I used to do in grad school was um, we used to do like case studies. And one of the case studies was like, imagine being a landlord and you had and you had a tenant. And when it's the first of the month, it's all uh, backed by a blockchain. Like, and let's use Ethereum for here for this example. On the first of the month, if there's a smart contract, that's the technology that's uses that it uses in blockchain. If it says you owe me a thousand dollars to live in my apartment, if you don't pay me by August first, the doors lock. Obviously, you would need your house to be smart housed and like be like online and connect to the internet. But think of it like that, where everything is just smart contract proof, meaning that one condition has to be met for the other condition to happen. So it's an if then thing. So imagine if you're the landlord in the Bahamas or in DR or whatever, and you're like, I'm going to get paid on the first. You know there's a lot of like landlord-tenant issues, for example, that you know uh, they don't pay you for two weeks or three weeks. What if your house locks on them if they don't pay you? That's the type of technology that it brings efficiency, scalability, and just uh, security in your own funds, you know? So that's one of the examples that I like to use. And Ethereum. one more thing. The important thing about Bitcoin and Ethereum is the decentralization aspect. So using these types of cryptocurrencies to spend your money is no different than using a credit card. They do the exact same checks that Bank of America does or MasterCard or Visa, whoever it may be. It's just that the people that are validating these transactions are not one entity and not one single entity can say, hey, we're not going to let this transaction go through because, you know, you decided to go to a different country and they think it's fraud when it's really not. Or if the government said you did something and you didn't and they want to stop that transaction, no one can stop transactions on Bitcoin or Ethereum. They happen as long as you have enough funds in your wallet. Yeah, I don't ask this last time. So say, can they, well, just, I don't, can they freeze your assets? As long as it's held in your own custody of wallets, and Max brought something that we can show later, as long as you have your own money and custody your own money, they can't tell you you can't spend it. Now they can try to put a block on it and say, hey, you know, these exchanges shouldn't accept this, any transactions that come from this wallet, but they can't actually prevent you from spending your money. It's, mm. it's impossible. And, and like I was mentioning last time, but I'll say here as well is... Back when the Ukrainian uh, war was happening in the beginning, back in like you know January, February, the first quarter of the year, um, a lot of sanctions were happening between Russia, between Ukraine. People couldn't access their bank accounts. Um, so, what had happened was a lot of money got flooded into the Ukraine through Bitcoin addresses and B Bitcoin wallets. Obviously, ultimately helping the Ukraine war, like the Ukrainian soldiers, like f fight this war. Um, again, there was no central authority, no central entity that was, like, stopping them. So this was all decentralized. And all you had to do was know their Bitcoin ad address and you could send them Bitcoin. I have family in Colombia and I have a f you know, cool anecdote was um, my cousin needed money. Again, we're in the 21st century, 2022. I know how to use Bitcoin. I told him to download, Bi download Binance, which is the largest central exchange in the world. He gave me his Bitcoin address. I had my Bitcoin address. I sent him $100 in Bitcoin. 
He got it within like no less than a minute. And there was no bank involved. There was no, you know, paperwork. There was no Western Union. There was no nothing like it used to be in the back in the day when you do cross-border payments. So, um, again, the power of Bitcoin and the technology behind it, it has real-world utility. And that's something that I personally like love to look at is like the utility behind it and where it could take our future. Because I definitely think that crypto and Bitcoin can definitely bring more in a, a more equitable f- finance future. Yellow fidgeting. You <laughs> <laughs> trying to plug the cord in? I'm trying to plug you guys up before the computer fell went to bed. He was about to unplug the, the camera. Jesus. <laughs> I was trying to fix the the ledger at the same time so we can't. Chris doesn't have to bend over. For the, the live stream. Um, but yeah, just long story short, I just think that the technology has a lot of real world utility. And there's a lot of companies, a lot of countries. And ironically, the unbanked world is um, are interested in this. And when I, when I say unbanked world, I mean, you know, I come from a Latino background. We come from the margin, like the, the minority group, if you will, or the demographic, as you, as, as you may say. But... There's countries like El Salvador that I love to talk about because it's a country that made, you know, it's controversial, but his president, the president is a more of a millennial. He changed um, the laws and regulations where Bitcoin is now legal tender, meaning that if I want to purchase this water bottle on the streets of El Salvador, I can pay in Bitcoin and it will be a valid transaction in, in the country. Um, so is that not a thing in the United States? I can't go to... Is there any place you can go to, like oh, Walmart, Walgreens? So there is. It's just you have to use different third-party software. So unless the the company directly accepts Bitcoin itself, then you have to use a third-party, like uh, I forget what it's called, but you can like have your credit cards or debit cards and put your crypto on it. Now, for me, that you know, we'll get into another time, but um, it's it's a little different. It's using a third-party custody. Um, what Max is talking about is actually using straight up Bitcoin on the Lightning Network. Mm. Um, so that in something that a lot of people don't understand either is um, when he made it legal tender in El Salvador, they're they're a dollarized society, meaning they use they have to use dollar bills. They don't have their own currency. Um, he didn't say dollars were illegal. All he said was Bitcoin is also legal. So if you never want to use Bitcoin, your life doesn't have to change. And so there's a lot of people thinking that he's completely switching the the system and saying you can only use Bitcoin. No, it's, you know, we'll give you the infrastructure to accept Bitcoin. And if you don't want to accept Bitcoin, you can easily just accept the Bitcoin and convert it to bit, uh, dollars right away and we'll give you the dollars. So you're saying he's given the infrastructure. So he's giving these... You know, the bodegas and stuff like that, the capability to accept the software for it. And you want to know the brilliance of it? Everyone has a smartphone. That's all you need for the infrastructure. But funny, funny, funny fact is it's only like 40% or 50% of less than 50% of the El Salvadorian population own a cell phone. If you really think about it, it's one of the poorest countries in Latin America. But it has been increasing because there's an interest to learn about Bitcoin Self and then the government, Bukele and his administration are funding and incentivizing like programs to get a cell phone, uh, educational uh, courses to teach about Bitcoin. And just this past year alone, because it's been a full year where this legal tender law went into place, their GDP has grown, tourism has grown, um, just a lot more economic growth and economic vitality is happening in one of the smallest countries in Latin America. So 
Bitcoin, and it's I I love watching it because this is like a pilot project for the whole world. The whole world is watching, where it's like there's a senator of Mexico saying that they might uh, pass Bitcoin as legal tender. Department of Cong Congo in Africa, Nigeria. There's all these places that again, if if you listen to the countries I'm mentioning, these are countries that rely on the U.S. dollar, and we could get into this really quick. The U.S. dollar is dying, as we all know. The inflation is at an all-time high. We mentioned it in the last podcast here, but um, about 80% of all the money supplied, money, all the USD in the world was printed in the last 12 years, right? Well, since 2008. If you really just like understand economics, supply and demand, and just the basics of economics and inflation, there's so much cash in the world that our value of our dollar is dying. And this is where Bitcoin becomes a hedge. It's deflationary. And you might ask why is because it's scarce. There's only 21 million Bitcoin ever going to be mined. Um, but that touches on attributes of just money in general. Just so what's the purpose for El Salvador to do that? So like, how is that benefiting them as a country? So here's here's the the way the world works with in, in terms of dollars. Um, every country has their own currency over time. If their current their citizens lose value in their currency they have to go to something that their citizens hold trust in that's essentially all fiat currency is the only reason we use dollars today is because we trust that the dollar will be roughly worth a dollar tomorrow um every country around the world has to print their own money and when they print more money it loses its value compared to the u.s dollar but when the u.s dollar when the u.s government prints dollars it doesn't really have the same effect around the world because you still have to pay for everything in dollars. A lot of debt is based in dollars. So these countries are having their economic um, solvency essentially held in check by the U.S. government. And from that standpoint, it makes no sense. If you own your own country, who am I to tell you how valuable your currency is? And so in that aspect, by going to something that you can't create more of like Bitcoin, or gold or silver, you're now taking that power out of someone third party's hands. So, you're, so even like right now with inflation, so we just keep printing more and more money. Yep, that we just keep printing more. And, and so you're saying that with Bitcoin, what Max just said was there's a max. So there's only twenty one thousand ever made. Twenty one million. Twenty one million ever mm -hmm. made. So right now there's about nineteen and a half million that have been uh, created, have been mined. And by the year 2140, it's on a, a downward sloping um, creation model, minting model. And so th this will be a problem long after we're dead, um, unless technology allows us to stay alive a lot longer. But um, it's not something that anyone can create more of. It's not anyone can make it create faster because the way it works is you have a technology that's open source. And if someone wants to change that open source code, and you have now created what's called a fork, where their entire past has a similar transaction history, but going forward, if we're us four are a ecosystem together, and you want to pay Max two Bitcoin, but your wallet only says one Bitcoin, how would it benefit me that you get to create the extra Bitcoin out of thin air? So if you want to create your own Bitcoin, e-Bitcoin, let's call it, then that's a whole different unit of measurement because max and i and dave aren't going to are just going to look at that but like no that's that's not what we're using and so that's completely different we're not going to accept that yeah and that's so and you said that no one can ever just make their own or say they have multiple bitcoins that they don't have because of the blockchain where you can resource that you can 
double check and make sure they're not lying. And they can't lie about having multiple Bitcoins that they don't have because that blockchain prevents that, correct? Yeah, so basically Bitcoin is just an open ledger. So think of that spreadsheet that Max was talking about earlier. If Ma if I want to trade with Max and he wants to sell me his water bottle for, let's say, a half a Bitcoin, you and Dave also have to update your spreadsheets and say, hey, Chris just gave Max a half a Bitcoin for his water bottle. So then we're all in agreement that we all have the same balance. And then if you want to interact with me and, and I want to sell you the water bottle that I just sold Max for, let's say, a half a Bitcoin or whatever, I need to go buy something else. Now we update, all of us have to update the ledger again and say, hey, that half Bitcoin that uh, Chris gave to Max, now Chris got a half Bitcoin from F and Evie. And then, you know, that just continues and goes on and on and on. And those are called blocks uh, in the Bitcoin blockchain. David, uh, you got any questions? I feel like you're quiet over Yeah. Yo, are you I'm, processing, I'm processing all? everything? <laughs> um, two things, like... Um, a couple things, for example, like um, if that, you know, everyone needs to have the same balance in that spreadsheet. How do you reduce? Well, it's not that everyone has the same balance. It's everyone knows each other's balance. My balance could be zero and yours could be 50. Okay. So how do you um, like I, I'm, wouldn't there be like any a margin of error potentially or no. is it just because of the technology? It's so structured it, in, such in a order way? to continue with the next block all the validators on the network i'm trying to use simple words um because it can get very technical <laughs> um all the the validators who are the ones who own the ledgers and which is essentially everybody um they have to be in agreement that these transactions are valid and the person who discovered the next block is the transactions in that block are valid and we're going to continue with that is there an example of something where it would not be valid and there would be an agreement yeah. to not come to an agreement, I guess? Yes. So if, for example, in that same instance where I tried to sell you that water bottle that I bought from Max for a half Bitcoin, you tried to give me a half Bitcoin and you don't have a half Bitcoin in your wallet, Max and David are going to be like, no, we're not going to validate this transaction. And who who's like, so you're, say, assuming you, obviously you guys have Bitcoin. How are you guys viewing those transactions to make sure they're right. Are you guys actually doing it or just software so, is doing it for you? Software is doing it for you, but the brilliance of Bitcoin is everything's open source. So I actually run a light node on at my house, which basically just looks at every single transaction that goes on and just make sure that the whole network is um, properly mining transactions and making sure that everything's valid. And thousands, thousands and tens of thousands and millions of people around the world are doing the same thing. And at the same time, if anyone catches anything wrong, then you have the ability to um, say that this transaction is fake. Yeah, but I mean, yeah, Chris is a lot more technical and he likes the lightning node. And but to your point, the software is does the work for you. If you yeah. were just to like, again, we were in El Salvador or Colombia, wherever, even in the U.S., if I'm selling you this water bottle for, again, half a Bitcoin, I have there's apps that I literally just use your QR code. It pulls up your address. I request it, or you just pay me half a Bitcoin. I receive it, and it's right here in my wallet. It's, it's just, like, it's just it's like a Venmo. It's, it's just like, like using Venmo a credit card. App. It's the same yeah. thing. It's just honestly the best. The put it in layman's terms. Layman's terms. Bitcoin is just digital money. I, I like, and I I don't want I, I say that with like a grain of salt because there's a lot more value proposition to Bitcoin than just that it's digital money. But and then there's also the 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 thought like, hey, 
the price of Bitcoin. The price of Bitcoin right now is 16K. Two, literally last year was at 69K. Obviously, you see that disparity in price and you say, wait, what the hell is going on? Is this even a valuable asset to own? But again, if you understand the technology behind Bitcoin and actually know what Bitcoin is trying to solve, you don't care what, about the price. You really don't. I'd buy $100 worth of Bitcoin when it's at 100K or right now at, 10, at 16K. It doesn't matter for me because I understand what I, what I want to use Bitcoin for. I don't care about so capital Bitcoin, gains. Bitcoin is trying to do... It works whether it's a dollar, a hundred dollars, a million dollars, a hundred thousand dollars. All it does is allow users to exchange value through the internet without a single third party in intermediary that can refuse this transaction from happening. Questions? Yeah, um, <laughs> I have a question. So, um, since it's a form of digital currency, mm -hmm. let's say um, you want to access that um, digital currency to make a purchase like a home right a home's not um you can't buy a home mm. with crypto yet so like what do you do in that like how do you access those funds and is it a lengthy process or like what does that look like so honestly it's funny i think sometime in 2021 the first ever home was purchased with i think ethereum not not bitcoin but they are like there are companies out there that are trying to build out like projects and softwares where you can buy big assets like that um, and that's the future. You know, at the end of the day, I always ask people one simple question. Are we becoming more digitalized or not? Right? Like everybody could argue that, you know, we're running at a very exponential rate. Like <laughs> our iPhones are getting better. Computers are getting better. Like we're just getting more digital. If that's the case, money sooner or later is going to get digital. Yeah. Like, let's be honest. So are you looking at people like me and David? Like we do at our parents, like, oh my God, you guys are so old school. <laughs> yeah. no, 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 not at all. Because honestly, I, I, we're at the best point of this market or just, honestly, I know everybody says it, but like we're living at the best time of, what a time to be alive, right? Yeah, like, 100%. 100%. Less than 5% of the world is invested in Bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies. And I just think, you know, there's, again, once you start understanding the technology, the utility it's just insane. And I just think it creates like an equitable finance, like a future for everyone. Like there's such an unbanked world. I keep using the word unbanked, but I just think of people in Nigeria, people like in Argentina that are just living at, living between the margins. Like what if we were able to interact with them? What if I can like send the message to someone directly. directly? And here's another real world case study that I like to use. Starbucks, you get coffee. There was a QR code, as you guys know how business works, supply chain, right? Starbucks sells you the coffee, but the coffee farmer that was out in Colombia or Brazil that you got the coffee bean from, they get chum change on the actual like price of that yeah. transaction, right? As you know, like yeah. they get they get skimmed pennies. out. They get pennies. So what if there was a QR code on that Starbucks cup? And what if I was being generous and I wanted to give a financial incentive? Like, yo, I really love this coffee. I want to support this business. I want to support this farmer in Colombia. Honestly, there's a QR code. I could just, you know, use our cameras like we use. I pull up his Bitcoin address, let's call it, and I send them like $10 worth of Bitcoin. That literally eliminates all those supply chains, screws Starbucks over, screws the importers, whatever, whatever. It goes straight to the the, the direct uh, supplier. But do you think Starbucks would really allow that without getting they a percentage of that? They don't have a choice. No, if it's on their product, though. No, I agree with you. To... It's going to take some time. Because just the way business is, you're right. Why would Starbucks allow us, when I say us, like whoever is generous enough mm -hmm. to like uh, strengthen their supplier?
But what I see, and maybe I just have a utilitarian outlook and like I just think very optimistically on humans and what we do and what we can do as a race. Like imagine if we were just all connected with global, like globalization, we were just all connected and we were just able to like pay and help people from all over the world. But yeah, I, I mean, so isn't that also, what the, like isn't that what Facebook tries to be and all these things try to be? And we can, but we'll I keep, could talk to someone in Africa if I wanted to, or New Zealand, or Australia, name the country. So it's but, funny, just how, cut you how, off how, real quick. How would you pay money? Like if you made a friend a pen pal in Nigeria, and the guy's like you trust him, whatever, and he needs a hundred dollars US. Right now, how would you send him a hundred dollars US? You like how would you how would you? The, right now, I'd be like, oh, do you have Venmo or? Western Union, or well, that's the problem outside Nigeria of America. Doesn't, Nigeria doesn't have Venmo. It's a process. It's a, US, it's a U.S. company, right? So Western Union, right? You use what you. you know I just what? yeah, I threw a Western Union out there because you know, this is one of those top ones. You just go to. It's like you know, you trust them. For cross-border payments, I agree with you. Western Union has been around for ages since we were born, right? But that's what I'm saying. Bitcoin is a com- competitor to Western Union. Because it just eliminates Western unions taking that fee, the transaction fee, that two-day wait, the whole like, oh, we need to know who's the receiver, if they're legal. The 16-digit code. We need to <laughs> everything, everything. But just, Whoa, just what, we don't get lost. talks about too is that's I don't get lost on, uh, on David's point though. Like, how would you buy a house though? I'm so curious on that. You didn't answer oh, that so, part I'm of so it. I'm so sorry. It went on yeah. Um, so before we got the new topic, I just want to make sure we end that one off first. I mean, it, it just depends on... Anyone can download an application on their phone and they can have Bitcoin sent to it with literally 30 seconds of doing it. it. There's no person you need to talk to. There's no software you really, really need to download. You can just download an app on your phone. The thing is, write down the 12 with, with words houses, and you're good. With houses, the deeds, right? The deeds to the house mm-hmm. are usually, real, real estate is connected to the government, let's be honest, right? It's called mm-hmm. real estate in Spanish and Latin. It's like royalty. Like real estate is the biggest asset you can own, one of the best assets you can own. Um, because it's still connected to government, I don't think Bitcoin and Ethereum can, you can't purchase it with that until the government changes its laws and say, hey, this deed is connected on the blockchain. You can purchase it using blockchain assets and digital currencies. But at the moment, it's hard to. Like if you own this house, right? And you say, like, hey, Max, I'll sell you this house for two Bitcoin. And I'm like, but send me your address. And I send you two Bitcoins. It's a transaction and a trust between you and I. But the government would still see you as the owner of the deed. Gotcha. Yeah, because yeah, but then you said that was one person who just did buy a house with. So yeah. it, So I'm actually I'm a realtor. I was just and gonna get to that. <laughs> they the way that they actually did it was in order to sell your house, you have to own the house outright. You can't have a loan on the house, mm. and then you have to send the amount of the cryptocurrency to the third party, which is a lawyer. And at the time of the the sale, that has to be locked in for the price of the U.S. dollar, regardless if it goes up or down at a certain point. Mm-hmm. And then the, the seller has to be willing to accept that price at that certain time and be willing to go forward with the, the, the deal like that. So it's a little, it's, it's, in my opinion, it's more just for show at this point. Gotcha. Um, just like people who say that they get paid in Bitcoin, it's really no different than you getting paid in U.S. dollars and taking a quarter of it or hundred bucks and saying, Hey, I'll just go out and buy Bitcoin. It's essentially, you know, six of one, half dozen of another. It's the same thing. That's okay. So I think you can convince me and David. I'm not sure if David's coming along to the Bitcoin sign yet, or if you have to convince him a little bit more, but we are, you know, we're on the younger generation. How are you convincing someone of the older generation to get to that? I think that will almost scare someone. Oh, so I can't buy a house. You want me to invest in Bitcoin, but then I, 
If I want to buy a house, I can't even buy a house. So, I, I mean, how many older people do you see that use brand new technologies? I mean, everybody does. I mean, from the wall. Mm-hmm. Uh, how old are we talking here? I'm like, my I mean, parents, my parents do, but they don't, know how to, they don't understand it. But they, they try. I mean, my grandmother just got an iPad like five years ago. Uh, Warren Buffett just got an iPhone like four years ago or something like that. So, I mean, there's a certain cutoff where it's like people that are a certain age are really never going to catch up with the technology and Mm -hmm. they kind of get left behind. And to be completely honest with you, I don't think everybody should own Bitcoin. I don't think everybody should spend money into Bitcoin. It's, It's not worth it. Um, for a lot of people. Um, but I do think that everybody should try to learn about it and try to understand what it is and what it isn't. That's more important. And so the biggest value proposition for Bitcoin is the inflation. So I actually brought with me a couple things. This is a U.S. dollar. And this is a U.S. dollar from 1890. It is a silver coin. And today it's worth about $27. This dollar was created in 2003. And now for everyone who is old enough to remember in 2000, 2005, whatever, when we were in elementary school, middle school. Sierra was popping. <laughs> Tom Brady was still young. No, I'm playing. Sierra was um, so popping. <laughs> um, you could go to school and you could get breakfast, lunch with a dollar, dollar fifty. Now, what does a dollar buy you? Absolutely nothing. So this is given by the U.S. government, give U.S. government to its citizens. This is silver and this is worth 27 times what this is. So how does that logic make sense when this is 140 years old? They're not making them anymore? Because it's silver. It's actually valuable because they can't create more of it. They can't just draw on the Java dime say, hey, we're going to create another, you know, 100 million silver coins today without, if you don't have silver, you can't create more of it. And so in the past 18 months specifically, but also the past 15 years, like Max has said since 2008, they've created, for lack of a better term, a shit ton of dollars. And that's why inflation is what it is today. And so if you think about it, what's the the two different, the only difference between these two things, the government can create more of this. They can't create more of this. They can't control. So it takes control out of the government. That's why the government. Exactly. And that's why in the, they've changed the economics behind what is backing this dollar bill over the past 140 years. So originally there was an ounce of gold for every $20 in the bank because and one ounce of gold was $20 worth. And that held like that. It was a one-to-one proof of reason. Yep. Yeah. And then after World War II, they had the Bretton Woods system change it to for every $50, there's going to be $20 backed. Then the U.S. government, because no one kept any checks and balances on them, printed way too many dollars that had an existence. And when the Europeans started realizing that, they were starting to ask for their gold back. And when the government realized they couldn't do it in 1971, they completely cut off all ties to the U.S. to gold. And so now today we just have a floating fiat system. And so fiat actually comes from a Latin term, which means, uh, you know, given value by someone of power, essentially. I don't remember the exact definition, but it's something like that. And so the only reason this holds value is because the government tells us that it holds value. Because we trust it. And, money and, yeah. just trust, right? and so in other current countries like um, Argentina and Venezuela and uh, Zimbabwe, they've actually completely lost trust in their currencies and there was actually a, uh, a National Geographic um, photographer one day in Zimbabwe, and this the guy had a, was wheeling a whole wheelbarrow full of dollars of Zimbabwe dollar bills, and they were like trillion dollar bills, like literally said trillion dollars. That's great. And the guy dumps the the wheelbarrow full of money, and the guy's like, "Wait, aren't you afraid someone's going to steal your money, your your 
Zimbabwe dollars? And the guy was like, I'm more worried someone would steal my wheelbarrow. Yeah. <laughs> and so it, it's like, that's how useless that currency is. And that's no different than what we than what we have in time. I wanted to rail it back really quick and to answer your question about how are we getting like the older generation or like to participate and engage in crypto. Um, it's tough because you think about it like this, the older generation, you would think of them as like the boomers, right? The people yep. like the, this is where they're like starting to reach trough of their life. They're like 70, 80. If you, I don't know the stats, but I'm sure like if you do a survey or if even if you know, does your mom or your dad have online banking? Have they set up? Online? Oh my God. Don't get me fucking started with this. <laughs> my dad would call me all the time and they just like, what's the number of citizens bank? I'm like, are you kidding me, dude? <laughs> Google it. It's in the back of your card. So my mom does. She actually does know how to use it. My dad tries, always fails, always calls me, always gets mad. So, yes, that, those are the two answers for me, at least. I don't know about David. My mom does not like online banking. I've been trying to get her to, to do online banking for a while. And she's like, no, I'll just I'll, I'll check my account at the bank. Or that, that's what, so, so that's my point, right? My grandma goes to the bank. She will not use anything online. She won't even pay bills online. But that's the, So right there, those two stories right they just touch upon what people trust right your, your parents your grandparents god bless them like they literally go to the bank because it's a central entity where they know they could talk to a teller something they've been doing for years they know like please tell me what's in my checkings they trust that their dollars are sitting in that account pretty whereas again going back to the bitcoin you are your own bank you can become your own bank what i have right here which i'll show in a oh, I'll show now um is a crypto wallet it's a it's a hardware wallet it's a cold storage wallet it looks just like a usb um and what it is is it's very secure it has like over three pins that i gotta keep you can hold my money <laughs> oh shit i'm rich legit but um it's a ledger ledger is one of the brands that uh um creates these cold storage wallets and honestly what it is that's basically my bank i go in it i activate it I can engage with it. I could do whatever I want with it. Um, I can send money to Chris with it. It's just, there's no teller. I'm my teller. There's no one telling me like how much is in my bank account. I know what's in my bank account. And this touches on a topic that we spoke about last time. It's called Web3. Web3. W-E-W. -E -W. Not wet. I thought it was wet three the entire no. time. W-E-B. No, it's W-E-B. Wait, that's what I said, P? You said WWW. -W -W. Did I do? Did I? Yeah. I'm drunk. Shit. W-E-B. Yeah, Web3. So Web1, Web2, Web3. We're hitting the generation of Web3, right? I'm sure maybe you guys heard of it in the past, like, since 2020 has come out. But basically, Web1, think about, like, AOL, AIM messaging, right? This was when you were accessing information, accessing data. Web2 is what we are, we grew up on, right? Facebook, Instagram, when we share our data, where Facebook and Twitter and all these companies have made money off made money off us because we created free content for them and they advertise they put advertisements and whatnot. You're welcome. Yeah, YouTube, everything, everything we're doing right now, right? Whereas Web three, it's given us the the ability to like ha have ownership of our own data. This is ownership. What Web three is again ownership of data. This is ownership of my money, and. That's a big topic where some people, maybe like your mother, right? Mm. Like, they just don't want to take ownership and, like, responsibility. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, it's, it's they just rather... Like, it's it, easier they, to just use the middleman. They, yeah, it's easier to use the middleman, delegate that work. They don't want to think about it. And it's, again, it is a learning curve. I'm not saying it's easy. Like, I've been, I've been on the space for, like, three years, and I just got this ledger 
about a year ago. Do you have one of these? I got multiple. Multiple? <laughs> oh, my God, over here. Guys, if you see us in Vegas this weekend, you know who sponsored us. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so, but going back to that, it's your own stuff, it's your own money, you know, cutting the middleman out. But aren't you a little nervous now? Cause I've been seeing and reading before I did this podcast that, you know, banks are trying to get, um, blanking the word right now, they're trying to, um, like regulate. Aren't you guys worried about regulations? If they go into Bank America, Bank America Fidelity, you know, takes Bitcoin in, Ethereum, Ethereum. Like, won't you? Aren't you guys worried about regulations? And how about does that affect you guys? Your so thoughts on getting in this? So, uh, when you say regulations, what exactly do you mean? Because technically speaking, Bitcoin can't be regulated. If so, the only thing that they can do in terms of Bitcoin and the actual Bitcoin use is um is to just tax it more if you spend it, but that's really all they can do they they can't prevent people from using it they can it, just like you can't prevent people from getting on the internet just like so when fidelity's offering you know you said like so what's fidelity offering when they have bitcoin the same exact thing ftx is okay so there's like financial there this this is why i say bitcoin is completely different than what a lot of the central media and a lot of people think it is because when you look at something like Fidelity or something like FTX or Binance or Coinbase, all they are is banks. And to be honest, in the in uh, the Americas, you have to get. I mean, I don't want to say Americas. In the U.S., you have to get every single banking license that you would in order to be a bank, in order to be a crypto bank. And then, in addition, you need to get additional licenses and stuff. So, it's not really any different than any traditional bank you've used and that's why i say it's completely separate and so when a regulation when you're talking about regulation those things should be regulated so you guys saying cut the middleman out that's why you know bitcoin and crypto is a big thing obviously the same thing is a big thing so why would someone go to fidelity to hold their bitcoin isn't that whole point to cut out the middleman why are they bringing them back in so some people do in and this is where i was going back to not everyone should own completely own their crypto right was i am i right about that like why why would i go you you are 100 right um it's (laughs) it's the same reason (laughs) but it's the same thought process of why would you put your money that you got from your paycheck in the bank too and give someone else custody of it versus holding it in your wallet me there um it's it's something that humans feel comfortable with and it's not right or wrong and so some people don't feel comfortable doing that or some people want exposure to the asset um but don't necessarily want to take the actual custody of it themselves so actually there's another product on uh available to um people to buy it's called gbtc and what it is is this company grayscale has bought a crap ton of bitcoin and you can buy into this fund that you now own a portion of that bitcoin the total number of bitcoin they own and now this comes with sometimes with a discount where it's worth more than the total bitcoin in there or it's worth less uh a premium um where it's worth more than the total bitcoin it depends on you know what the market wants it for but that's a more um what i want to call it watered down version if you want to call it that so question then so if i'm bad bitcoin and fidelity's holding it at you don't that own point, Bitcoin. I don't. Yes, yeah, so I don't own Bitcoin, Correct. and then they could freeze my assets. Correct. But what the fuck's the point of that? I just. This is why you buy. That's <laughs> if you, you buy one of these. No, what's the point of going to Fidelity at that point? You might as well have cash so at that thing, point, no? So, so Fidelity and Binance and FTX, the thing that just blew up, 
their central exchanges, all you're doing is they're taking your dollars, right, or whatever currency you're using, but we're all from the U.S., so USD. Mm-hmm. I buy $50 worth of Bitcoin on FTX. Well, no longer available, but like <laughs> Binance or Fidelity. Once you have it in that account, you move it to this bad boy, right? And once you have it in this, this think of this as like your wallet, like your actual wallet where no one knows where it is. It's You own it, right? Like Chris was saying, you don't own your keys on the on the central exchange like Fidelity. So it's not really yours. It's theirs. So just to st- let's take a step back to. So how do you know if you own your Bitcoin or not? So when you log into your bank account, you just put in username and password. That's your uh, that's your um, action to be able to show that you own ownership of your dollars to be able to access one of these, you need what's called a seed phrase. A seed phrase is a set of 12 or 24 words that are random. We chosen by the the, the, wallet. the wallet itself. How to get locked out. And, <laughs> That's the thing. But, but, but so that it, it's a little simple. Let me, let me explain it. Um, so you write down those 24 words on a piece of paper. And if you ever physically lose this or this is damaged and you can't use it again, like you, you throw it in... in it gets run over by a car or whatever, you can actually put in those 24 words and put it into another wallet and you now have, still have access to your money. So it's not physically connected to this device. You still have access to another place. Now, humans are very good at hiding things. Or we're not very good at finding things. <laughs> so Literally. what I do to store my keys is I have a security deposit box with a bank and ironically, I store my Bitcoin security with a bank (laughs) but um i also have like a a safety deposit box that's not at my house that's in a off-site location that i store two different sets of those 24 words so if something happens with the bank it get burns down god forbid or something happens in the other place where it gets burned down god forbid there's always one other place that it is at and so you never want to take a picture of your keys you never want to put them on google keep you never want to put them on apple notes you never want to store them in any type of online anything because if you can see them and they're on your phone i guarantee you they'll get hacked i've seen this happen hundreds of times i've seen people lose millions and billions of dollars the same way and once that happens you're done there's no like coming there's there's no you it's just like if you had a million dollars under your mattress and someone let your house on fire Mm. you're fucked yeah you're not getting (laughs) that's that's the downside with why a lot of people don't always want to fully custody their bitcoin and other cryptocurrencies themselves Mm -hmm. and so now in my opinion the best way to kind of do that is whatever your comfort level is to be able to kind of maybe use both those different systems so maybe store a little bit with something like coinbase and in the future um a lot of different Bitcoin banks or cryptocurrency banks, I'm going to call them, they have what's called proof of reserves to prove that their actual customer reserves are actually there. And so if you have that, that makes that platform a little bit more trustworthy. Mm-hmm. Um, now, at the end of the day, if they want to freeze it or, or they go something like SBF happens again, you know, there's no way to fully protect yourself from that except for owning yourself. But, you know, it makes it a little bit simpler. So if someone's in that mix of like wanting to, learn about new technology but doesn't want to fully get there they can do that too and so, so that's why you would store your money with coinbase gotcha i have a question for both of you guys actually so if i you know if you don't want to answer you don't have to but so do you guys solely have your money and bitcoin like in your wallet right here is all your money like in here or do you have like an actual like bank of america citizens accounts so i have account with coinbase um strike which is a purely bitcoin company and then i have my I have like 98% of my crypto on ledgers. So you don't have 
like a bank you could walk up to and get pull money out. No. You either, Max? I'm, my I'm, money is that. Yeah, I would say. I have a follow up question on this. I would say like 70% of my money is in that bad boy right there. And then I also have like about 30% in like warm wallets. Warm wallets are essentially. Sorry, I'm probably way too far from the mic. <laughs> um, warm wallets are essentially like on a Web3 um, application. And it just helps you connect. Uh, from the blockchain to your own account. Gotcha. They're, they're so you're just also, always connected to the internet. Yeah. Gotcha. So you're also nothing in a Bank of America or anything, walk-up type of Not stuff. really. I mean, Strike is a Bitcoin company that acts as a Bitcoin-ish bank, I guess, if you will. But um, I have some money there. So my question, my follow-up question to that is, I don't know if you guys, you know, we recently just met. We haven't partied as much together as we should to. We should be able to coming up soon. My birthday's coming up soon. We'll be do some partying oh, there. Not a club. But... Point that being is, if you are in a club, say if you're at a, a gentleman's club, you want to tip these workers here. How are you doing that? How are you buying bottles? How are you buying? You better have a QR code. <laughs> yeah, so, it's a funny story. I actually read an article a couple months back that the stripper actually did get tattooed her Bitcoin wallet. That's hustling. She's hustling. What's the number? We get her on the podcast. But no, but for so like if you want, if you're going there, if you're going to these places, how are you? If it, your money's solely on these. Um, you know, everything you guys just said, what are you guys, how are you guys accessing this? So to be completely, completely honest with you, I don't spend my crypto. So I view Bitcoin as a reserve asset, as an inflation hedge in a sense that I know the government's going to print more money over many years. So I need to own assets that aren't, they can't print more of, they can't create more of. No, and I understand that. I'm just saying, this. just like, how would you, t how, how, what do you so, do though? So when you go I just out, use dollars. But don't you have, that's what you said, you don't have a bank where you can pull money out of though. Like, how do you get, so I don't own, do a, I don't have a hundred percent of my wealth in. Oh yeah, that, that was my question. So like, you, oh, so sorry, you do sorry. have like a no, bank. No, well, you had, you had, sorry, I thought you meant like, no, no. Okay. So I, yeah, I have most of my wealth is in crypto okay and it's it's been like that for for a couple of years but um no i do have dollars oh okay i, I thought you were fully <laughs> everything you just put all your money That's in crypto I too. I was like, oh, shoot. my bad i misunderstood your question yeah so, so say, yeah i would say another 10 years maybe we'll, we'll so the the biggest downside for that too though is the u.s government treats every transaction that happens in cryptocurrency as a taxable event so if i go out and buy something I have to then pay taxes on the difference in price of Bitcoin from when I bought it to what I just sold it for to get X product. So Ray, now, sorry, you know, I'm not gonna lie, you lost me there. Can you so that let's again? say I bought Bitcoin and just art make numbers simple in my head. I bought one Bitcoin at a hundred bucks. Okay. And um, I go out and I want to get you a drink for your birthday. Okay. And so we, I buy a ten dollar drink. At that point, the price of Bitcoin is now a hundred. Yeah, two hundred dollars. So now I have to pay that. $10 that I bought you, I have to pay taxes because that original portion of the Bitcoin I bought is worth more than it is now. So I have to pay 40% or 30% tax on top of that Bitcoin if it, depending on when I bought it. It could be short term or long term capital who's, gains. Who's taxing you on that? The IRS. US government, <laughs> the IRS. So the IRS. it is so that that could that actually increases how much these actual things that I want to buy cost. So it really doesn't make sense in the US to be able to you know, spend Bitcoin. Now in other countries like in their El Salvador and um uh I think Portugal, parts of Portugal do it. Um uh there's other couple Switzerland. Switzerland. Yeah, yeah. There's there's some countries in the world 
where you don't get taxed. And so whatever you want, you can just go out and spend it and you're good. And the way I see it is, um, I think that a happy medium in between both of those is to do what we do with other currencies. So let's say you want to go to, you know, celebrate, instead of celebrate your birthday in province, you want to go celebrate your birthday in Medellin, Colombia. Mm -hmm. And so you fly out and you buy $5,000 worth of pesos. Well, if the peso goes up 10%, and that's only like, you know, not much. You're looking at like 50, five, uh, 50 bucks worth. You don't have to pay taxes on that when you come back to the States for the difference in price. Because in according to the U.S. government, the federal, uh, the IRS, if you've any gained any less than like $600 worth of, you know, differences in currencies, you don't have to pay the taxes on them. It doesn't make sense. It's not worth you tracking. And so I think that that's a happy medium if the gov- the IRS decides to say, hey, you know, for all these cryptocurrencies, if you have less than a $600 uh, gain, then we're just going to say, we're, you know, whatever it is, what it is, ignore it. And I think that that's a happy medium between the government getting their money because, you know, as I was saying, uh, the only thing they guarantee in life, death, taxes, and change. And so if they're still going to get their money at the end of the day, but that makes it easier for people to use this as a actual medium of exchange. Gotcha. If that answers your question. You got, you got a question, Dave? I know, but I'll about to pull you in this. Um, I do have a question in terms of, for example, you know, um, when you're, for example, um, Chris, you said you're a realtor. So when you're buying, you know, um, a home, you know, your um, your client has to submit all their information, like their assets, their how much they have in the bank and things like that. Do they include if they have Bitcoin into that process or is that left out? And does that even, <laughs> does that add value? Like, you know, so I, mean? I actually had this discussion with the loan officer until the government allows that to be recognized as an asset. So if it's held on Coinbase, yes, you can use that, but they don't like it. But if it's held in your own custody, it's the same exact thing as if you had cash under your wallet, I'm mean, under your mattress. It doesn't exist. Mm. Oh, okay. So if, oh, it, if it's custody by a third party, because... So that's the only con. I would, yeah. yeah. Okay. And it, it makes very little sense to me, but the government wants to protect from illegal activities, <laughs> even though the U.S. dollar is the number one asset in the world used for illegal activities, <laughs> right. ironically. Um, they've actually done studies on it in less than five, four or 5% of all Bitcoin transactions are used for illicit purposes. How would you even do that? So this is the actual brilliance of using Bitcoin. I've had talks with Secret Service before, and they want people to use Bitcoin because it's open. It's completely open. They've solved murder cases from years in the past through the use of Bitcoin because of what? your public addresses and stuff. Who was murdering someone using Bitcoin? They someone someone. It was in the I think it was in the Netherlands. The the wife got mad at the ex husband for cheating on her. Paid someone Bitcoin. He went out and killed the oh. husband, and then they backtracked it to her. Because it's one, it's one but, similar but code, right? <laughs> yeah, like a dumb. You, and well, the code well, never one, changes. Well, it's not one similar code. It's public addresses. It's like a Gmail. Okay. Um, and so they that's forever public information. So you can see every transaction that's ever happened on the Bitcoin blockchain. Okay, but can't you, so these hackers, though, can't people make secret identities and yep. do that not get tracked? Yeah, yeah, sure. that happens all the time. But this is the exact same thing as how do most drug deals happen? I give you 20 bucks, you give me drugs. You give me guns, you give You're me sure. ammo. It's the exact same thing. Sure. So it, it it's kind of ironic that the government cares that much about Bitcoin when 
in fact, you would want criminals to use Bitcoin. They, there was actually a $250 million hack on Bitfinex in 2016. They actually figured out who it was this past August, wow. and they sent them to jail nice. because they had all their money in Bitcoin and you know stupidly used addresses that were publicly tied to their name. So... How about you, David? Before I go off, do you have any more questions, follow questions? No, that was just it. That was the main thing. <laughs> so as a person right now, so you know, I'm asking the questions. Max and Chris are answering them. New person, I hit you up today to be on this podcast. You're like, Effie, I don't know anything about crypto. Do you still want me on? I'm like, yes, that's, they actually do want you on because they want your questions. So when you're hearing all this stuff, are you getting scared away right now? What's your thought process of taking all this in for the past hour or so? No, because um, I think it's right anything new that you do is intimidating right so so at first it could be but i think you know like you guys are saying the future is is heading to that digital everything's online right that's how the future is going to be and if like if you're not ahead of the curve you're behind it um so that's why i think you know it's good for people to but learn about these things it's, it's funny you bring that up because that's one of the points that kind of slipped away was um you were saying touche why would you keep your money on fidelity for example right but the thing I always tell people is pay attention to what the smart money is doing. There's no point in fighting against the green. There's no point in fighting like what you see and what you believe in. Mm -hmm. Follow what the smart institutional money is doing. If Fidelity, a, you know, a prestigious, creditable institution is investing into Bitcoin, there's something there, right, yeah, that definitely. you need to... Like just like you said, there's get that whole thing. Curve. Do what they watch, what they do, not what they say. Yeah, yeah. And it's just, it's just they that. know they're just like even the millionaires and billionaires. If they're doing it and if they're investing in this, there's something there. Like you know? I mean, I mean, whatever. Drake is a pop, pop culture media guy, but he's been the past year alone just been doing stake live twitches, playing with Bitcoin, blah blah blah. And I'm just bringing up to that point mm -hmm. that like there's a lot of characters that are starting to play and engage with the crypto market. And it's usually just through Bitcoin because that is the biggest asset. And it's easy. That was weird. weird. Um, <laughs> but long story short, mm -hmm. like, exactly. Just follow the smart money. I think doing your own research is the key. And, um, you know, I'm, again, but also everyone I listening, everyone listening too, like, you know, I know Effie has our Instagram handles there. Please feel free to reach out. Um, I'm plugging ourselves in really quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, we have a little smaller podcast that we just do audio podcasts on Spotify called Crypto City Pod. Uh, Chris and I, as well as we have a partner out in India who gracefully always joins us. And we just have like discussions just like this around topics that are happening in the market. Uh, last night we had one about cold storage. So literally talking about this and what this means and what, what, what do you do and all that. So we go a little bit more in depth with that. But um, yeah, feel free to reach out to us as well as Chris and I have held um, kind of like these bubbler sessions where we taught people just the basics of Bitcoin. We and at the end of it all, we teach you how to transact in Bitcoin with like your blue wallet, your phone. So again, if there's any questions, please. Feel so free in, to in those sessions, yeah, I actually give people portions of a Bitcoin. Like I help them down their wallet, help them write down their seed phrase and how to properly store it. And I actually give them a portion of a Bitcoin. Oh, wow, that's dope. I would love to. Let me know when the next one is. I'm down to. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so so what is the current state now? So we talked about it. We got into a little bit what crypto is, you know, the it's a little bit more definitions and things along those lines. But so right now, what is the current state? 
What do you guys think is happening? Would you guys still tell people like a David, hey, you should still invest your money into it? Um, yeah, so I mean, so is I, it time to get in? Is it, should I you think, wait? I think this is, a, if you are going to get in, this is a good time to Not get in. Not financial advice. Not financial advice, right? Thank you, Chris. <laughs> but um, because... All your money now. <laughs> Mortgage, everything, so everything drop it. It's going, it's going to a million tomorrow. <laughs> Honestly, Kathy Wood said that yesterday. 2030. By 2030. Yeah, that's five years away. Seven years away. Bro, the way time has been flying, I'm sure like 2030 is right around the corner. Yeah. Um. So, because price is so low, and because this is so crypto for the past 10, 11 years has they go through cycle, and right now we're in a bear market. We're in something called crypto winter, right? Where you see the price goes down. This happened like three or four times already in the past like 10, 11 years. So this is normal to people like Chris and I, where us crypto enthusiasts saw our portfolio at its peak and just like drop and you know i don't know if you guys know reddit and what was going on with the gamestop thing but there's a famous terminology called good diamond hands like we just you hold on to your assets no matter what the price is and whatever's going on with your portfolio that's kind of what us crypto enthusiasts do now especially if you believe in the technology so if you're going to get in obviously do your own research but this is a better this is, this is the best if this is just a great time to get so one of the things that i look at when i look at everything is i completely ignore price and I think about what has fundamentally changed in Bitcoin and other projects that I like uh, for the good or for the bad. And then I look at the price action and I say, hey, does this reflect what's actually going on? And so when you look at things like FTX going to zero and BlockFi going to zero and Voyager going to zero and Three Hours Capital, these are all crypto companies going to zero in the last six to eight months. None of those things have anything to do with Bitcoin. So now if I'm telling you, if you buy milk and eggs and you usually spend $5 on milk and three bucks on eggs, and I tell you tomorrow that, hey, you can go to the store and you can get 50 cents for milk and 25 cents for eggs, I guarantee you're going to stock up. So what's what's the difference? People look at investing as the exact opposite. When the price is going down, a lot of people get scared. Whereas if you look at it, you know, and I think macro events have certainly helped and i think that's the leading cause for why a lot of the prices have gone down um the the biggest one is being the fed we how we were talking about how much money they actually printed they're actually doing the opposite right now um where they're pulling money out of the system and trying to make dollars more scarce um to be able to combat inflation and so i think that's that in itself has a little bit more ways to go um but i mean in terms of what bitcoin has changed in the last year four years, five years, not really all that much. And so like, I personally, I, I dollar cross average. Um, dollar cross averaging means it doesn't matter the price, doesn't matter, uh, you just pick a time period and you just buy it no matter what, the same exact dollar value. So it could be a hundred bucks a week, could be a hundred every month, could be something like that. And that that is generally, whether you're talking about Bitcoin, um, the stock market, that is pretty much historically the safest way to um, invest in your money because you're never going to pick the bottom. You're never going to sell at the absolute bottom. You're never, I mean, you're never going to buy at the absolute, I got, please don't sell at the absolute bottom, but um, you're never going to buy the absolute bottom. You're never going to sell the absolute top. So just, you know, do your research, figure out what projects or assets. It doesn't have to be, this is not crypto related. Just you want blue chips assets that you believe in for the long term and dollar cost average into them. And that's probably the safest way to be able to get into it. In addition to that, what I tell you is if you don't know anything about Bitcoin, you don't feel comfortable about Bitcoin, mm. just make it a small, small portion of your portfolio. So if you have $100,000, don't put more than five hundred dollars to $3,000 worth 
into your portfolio. And now Bitcoin's an asset that has the ability to five, six X in, in a matter of a year or so. And it's done that historically in, in times a lot more. But on the flip side, if Bitcoin goes to another 50%, 50% correction and you only have, you know, 1500 in your portfolio, who cares? It's only 700 bucks. It's not going to ruin your life. It's not going to change anything. Right. But that has the ability to be, you know, ten, fifteen thousand dollars in a very short time. Do you have a question, David? Seems like you have a question coming up. No, I'm just trying to process. Also, like you're coming ready for the mic. I was just no, no. I was just looking. <laughs> I was just processing everything. So um, it's true. Um, what like kind of you say, Chris? Because it's kind of like stocks, but it, instead with stocks, it's just digital currency. It moves. People similar are, to people that. are buying now that everything's gone down and everything's low. Like instead of people were like, oh, I'm taking my money out. The smart people are like, no, I'm buying more of it. Um, I think that's so I think it makes it easier too, if you have a longer time horizon. And if, if you look over many years, so Warren Buffett talks about this too. If you buy a house in for a hundred thousand tomorrow, it goes to 90,000. Someone offers you 90,000 to buy your house. You're going to sell them the house. No, you, right. you still need a place to live. Your family needs a place to live. It doesn't make any sense. You're looking for a 15, 20, 30 year period. And so a lot of these assets, you know, this is completely irrelevant of crypto. Um, the next couple of years are very iffy at best, but over the long five year, 10 year period, things will likely go up due to how the dollar is created, because no matter what, the government still can't get around the fact that in order to be able to create more GDP for our country, we need to be able to create more dollars and what's everything priced in dollars. So as long as you keep, it's like a scale. The more dollars they create, the higher the asset value rise over the longer term. Got it. So, so someone like me before I met and talked to you guys about crypto, I always thought you had to buy like one crypto coin. And I seen like the price. I'm like, what the hell? This shit's $97,000. How can I afford this? So someone like that, someone, we haven't really got to the pricing of it, of it yet. So if I download Robinhood or when it's asked where I can buy, Robinhood's still up, Albert. Yeah. So Robinhood's still up by Donald Robinhood. What are you telling someone who's just someone like a David today? He's brand new. We threw a rent to the water. Could be overwhelming. I'm sure as you right now, you're processing stuff. So what would you recommend someone like? So you said 700 bucks. What does 700 bucks get you? What's your value on that? So it, I just, that that was seven. I didn't. I was saying like, so say take a half, half a percent of your total portfolio to 3% is roughly what I tell people. And the reason I, I, there's a very mathematical calculation to be able to get to that number and why to do that number, um, has a lot to do with the sharp ratio and the max drawdown and stuff. I'm not going to get into that, but, um, there's been studies that have done on it, um, where portfolios included with just a small portion of Bitcoin have the ability to increase your returns with lowering your risk. And, um, so what I tell people is just take fifty, a hundred dollars and just put it into Bitcoin. It doesn't matter how much you're getting. It doesn't matter um, if the asset goes to zero. Um, and I tell that for people for buying, running to get into the stock market. Like it doesn't matter what you buy because once you have a stake in it, you're going to be paying attention more to it, and you'll be seeing price movements. You'll be a little bit more comfortable with the the volatility of it. And so Bitcoin is a highly volatile asset. But ironically, the second reserve currency in the world, the euro, has lost 30% of its value to the dollar in the last year. That shouldn't happen in any given year. Like people, these are millions and hundreds of millions of people that are at stake. And it's lost just as much as Bitcoin. It's lost half as much as Bitcoin has compared to the dollar. 
which doesn't logically make any sense. So really quick, um, I'm going to try doing something really quick here on live. Um, so if David, at the end, we tell him to download Strike, that's like the preferred, uh, that we personally prefer. Bitcoin this morning, I think right now it's trading at like $16,400. But let's just call it for simple math example's sake, let's 16000 If you want to own one Bitcoin, it's you need 16 bands to, you, to buy one Bitcoin. Now, if you have $1,600, that's 10%, right? Following? Mm -hmm. If you want to own 1% of that Bitcoin, you put $160. So if he was to put $160 tonight, he would own 1% of a Bitcoin. Now, if that $16,000 Bitcoin in, let's say, two years reaches 100K, what's 1% of 100K? Right? A thousand dollars. A thousand. I was looking at him. I was like, are you okay, bro? I was looking at you, but that's all I was like, damn, is he okay? <laughs> A thousand dollars, right? So today, uh, what is today? November twenty third, twenty twenty two. You put in one hundred and sixty bucks. When it hits a hundred k, you just now your account's sitting at a thousand. You just made what is that? Nine hundred and forty? No, eight hundred and forty dollars investment. That's your capital gains. But now, if like we were talking about selling this bottle, if we tell you, I'll sell you this bottle of water for zero point zero five, so half of one percent. You have Bitcoin to send to me. So in USD term, that's 80 bucks. But in Bitcoin's term, that's 0 0.05. No, 0 0.005. That's what's wrong. There. So actually, the the smallest, compare this to dollars, the smallest unit of account in dollars is a penny. The smallest unit of account in Bitcoin is a Satoshi. Technically speaking, there's no such thing as a Bitcoin. It's just a group of satoshis that have been put together oh, and so shit, you guys just fucked me up. Yeah. <laughs> so a hundred million satoshis is one bitcoin yeah, and so, so when you're when you're actually buying you're not buying a tenth of a bitcoin or one percent of a bitcoin you're really buying um x number of satoshis and so on a hundred a hundred million that's what a hundred thousand uh a million yeah, it's one million. One million is one percent. So what you're buying one million satoshis if you're buying that one percent of a Bitcoin. It's essentially the same thing. The reason that they decided to, or whoever decided to make it into one Bitcoin versus a hundred million, is because it's easier to to numerize. So, so you guys were saying, or you Chris was saying that you guys like to hold on to your stuff, like you said, you're not gonna sell it. So, just for example, four one k, it has like a age you want to take it out mm -hmm. you don't hold on to it for your entire life you know at that age you take it out you spend it whatever so when what's the out like what's the end goal with buying a bitcoin say if i had enough money to buy one bitcoin i spent sixteen thousand. i buy the bitcoin at what what's the end goal here am i it's different for keeping... everybody well, okay. it's different for it could it could be so it's the exact same thing as um if you want to treat it like your stock account, you just want the dollar value to go up, that's fine. It could Some people buy it like a lot of gold investors. They're called gold bugs. They don't care about the price. They're just looking for the total number of ounces of gold that they can buy. That's fine as well. You, you could a, do a combination. Yeah, and then let's say, uh, so when we retire, what, 40, 50 years from now, right? 
what he was saying. I don't saying, know about you. I'm retiring before that. Yeah, that's yeah. a long time for retirement. I'm just saying when you, could, when you could break into your 401k, right? That's what a lot of the rules are, right? No, I'm just messing with you. Um, you were saying that the housing, when you buy a house, you have to show your Bitcoin, right? Yeah. Who knows by that time that they would use your reserves of Bitcoins as like collateral. Okay. I mean, we kind of do now, but it's still very like wonky because the regulators are not, the laws are not there yet. But again, it's just see it as like gold. Like, why would you have, yeah, I'm trying to answer your question. Why would you keep it in your 401k? It's see it as a store of value, like a gold or like Chris said, it depends on what you want to do. We can, we can actively trade it or not trade it, excuse me, actively transact between you and I with, our, with my Bitcoin, with your Bitcoin, or you can just store it and use it as a savings. Again, it, it's, I try to tell people it's just digital money, but again, I say that with, you know, a grain of salt because there's more yeah. power to it, more technology to it. Gotcha. So, um, I'd asked this last time. I'm, we're going to release that podcast at some point, but especially you being a realtor on the pod right now, I asked this last time, but I said again. So say at 100000 free money I want to invest. What are you telling someone who they come up to you? Hey, Chris, I am interested in getting into real estate and I'm getting into crypto at the same time. Are you still saying that 3 to 5% plus or is it change if you're trying to get into the real estate game? So I tell... Because I've had this conversation with clients. The number one thing you have to look for is the the place for you and your family to live first. If you aren't feeling comfortable where you're living, then you need to be able to change that, um, regardless of it's renting or buying a place. Um, the second thing is you can do each of those things together. Something that's really great of being an investor is you don't have to choose one thing over another. You can do both. And so if you have the ability to buy a house, um, then you're in a much stronger financial position and you can do both. You can go out and put on, you know, it's a $350,000 house, three and a half percent. You're looking at about, um, I don't know, 15 something thousand dollars. And then, you know, that goes towards your house, but then hopefully that house is making you money. Hopefully you bought a multifamily and you're cash flowing every month and you're paying more you're paying less on your mortgage than you are getting rent. Um, you can then take that money and invest it into something more speculative, like stocks or cryptocurrencies or you know gold and silver if you really, really want to. Um, so I don't think when a lot of people are looking at like, well, what's this or that? And the best thing about being investors, you can choose everything. You can choose, now when that that's called diversification and there's pluses and minuses with diversification because if your asset goes 10x but your asset allocation in your portfolio is only a half percent you only gain four and a half percent of your portfolio it would have been better if you had more but on the flip side if it loses 50 percent, you only lost a quarter percent of your portfolio versus you know significantly more gotcha so after hearing all this david kind of know we're wrapping up and you guys got places to go so david as someone who's trying to level up all the time i know that's what you're always trying to do get into new things what how to make money where to make money at Hearing all this stuff from Chris and Max, how do you feel more about the Bit game, Bitcoin game, crypto game now? Is it something you will get into? Or you still want to do more research? No, um, you want to get more into the into it with them? Yeah, I think it's a, a a good. I think you guys provided a good basis, like a good a good uh, foundation. I think it's just growing on that and understanding it more. Um, but what what you said is true because like um, I have a multifamily right now. Um, but you know, interest rates are high, so I don't really like, I'm not cash flowing yet, but I'm planning to by 
by this year, 2023. So when I do, it's like, where do I put this additional income, right? So, and and it's true to like diversify. Like you don't want to put your eggs in one basket, they call it. Mm-hmm. So I think this is a good um, starting point. Yeah, you know, and you guys can give like a quick excerpt. We get more into it in the podcast we did as a release sometime in the next coming weeks. But just so the people who are watching at this point, what got you guys like a quick, you know, quick story of what got you guys into crypto in the first place? You guys kind of go into your full window story on the next podcast coming up. But just for those who are wondering what your basis and background is on crypto. Well, it's quite funny. Um, when I started Bitcoin, it was about in 2017. I just was a Forex trader. So just another form of stock trading or just intraday trading using currencies, ironically, and to fund my account on the broker that I was using. I had to use Bitcoin, and that's how I got exposed to Bitcoin, and I just learned about start, like putting my fiat into a wallet, buying some Bitcoin, then converting it, ramping up my uh, my Forex account, and that's it. That's how I got exposed, and since then, I just fell through the rabbit hole, started learning about the technology. Um, in grad school, fortunately, I was able to like do some fintech company, uh, fintech courses and like um just yeah just kept learning just yeah. kept self-educating myself what's you chris so someone at work told me they made like eight thousand dollars and in a matter of a couple of weeks i was like shit you got me sold that, that <laughs> easy that easy that's how you got into it and but in all seriousness like i i opened up the app i was like damn bitcoin's nine thousand i can't buy that damn ethereum's 500 i don't really or 400 i don't really want to buy that and i saw litecoin it was 70 bucks i was like all right cool i'll buy one of those um, I knew absolutely nothing what I was doing, um, but over the next, like, I mean, to this day, I spend hours every day listening Bitcoin, uh, talks about Bitcoin, talks about the technology, talks about other technologies in the space. Um, I was actually in Colombia uh, a couple months ago at a cryptocurrency conference, um, and so I was talking with, like, developers there and stuff, so um, I'm very, very active in the space. Um, I used to work for a YouTube channel that... Um, created content and I would write articles for them. I review projects for them. Mm-hmm. So I have a, a very, you know, long solid base in, in understanding what this technology is. Gotcha. Did we get to this last time? How'd you guys met? You guys kept saying to bring it up, but I don't think you brought <laughs> it up. So I knew, um, a couple people that, uh, started a hedge fund in Rhode Island in crypto. And, um, we had been talking for months and months. And one day, instead of me and them being on a call together that we usually had, Max was on the call. And I found out he liked football, um, sorry, soccer. And um, I knew he was Colombian. And so we just started talking. Like um, I had spent some time in Colombia. So we started talking Spanish a little bit to each other, started talking about football and found out like he was really, really big into one of the projects I like. And so we just kept talking. We definitely did not go over that last time. I don't remember that story at all. I think we just (laughs) went on a tangent and did not get to it. So um, who's winning the World Cup? That's tough. Honestly, we could talk about soccer for like another hour. Um, <laughs> Only an hour? <laughs> Honestly. That's how you guys met. Ended off perfect segue. End this all yeah, on the World Cup predictions. Awesome. Yeah, World Cup just started, what, four days ago. Um, crazy upsets. Japan uh, upset Germany today. Saudi, Saudi Arabia. Arabia beat Saudi. Argentina. Argentina, the favorites that a lot of people think Messi's going to win it. Um, I'm really interested to see what's happening tomorrow with Portugal and Brazil. They both play. Um, those two teams are, you know, top teams that... We would like to see um, go far in the tournament. You're betting your entire thing. Who you putting your money on? Honestly, tomorrow. Honestly, that game that you're two prepared teams, for. There's two teams I pray win it. It's either, uh, excuse me, Brazil 
or England. I have to I have to root for England. Uh, just because uh, a lot of the players on both those teams... His bias is Ben London. I <laughs> 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 you said your bias, you love Ben London. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, cause I love London. But it's just... No, there's a few players that are playing on my London-based soccer team that I love so much. Um, London club. So, yeah, either Brazil or England, honestly. How about you, Chris? So, if there's money on it, I'm going to say Brazil. But if it's my heart, I want to see Ronaldo win the World Cup. Boo. He's, <laughs> he's one of my favorite players. I love Cristiano. Um, I want to see him get the title over Messi. He has the Euro, uh, and unfortunately, Messi won the um, the Copa America last year. So I want to see that Ronaldo has that uh, title over him. I would I would want nothing not, more. Not gonna lie here, but um, <laughs> <laughs> Spain did really well. Yeah, Spain had a Spain good game. Smacked the sh- I mean, it's Costa Rica. No offense to Costa Rica. Still seven zero. But seven zero is a huge upset. Yeah. And um. They look, they look tough. So, bro, honestly, you could tell. Like talking about soccer, oh, I could talk yeah. all day on this mic. Yeah. So, um, uh, David, you're not being into, you're not really a sports guy, right? Um, you know, I watch it. Like, like I'm, <laughs> I'm down to watch a game, but I'm kind of not into like the statistics and all of that. But, um, do you even know who's playing? Could you, could you say someone? I'm who, going to actually. I'm going to Boston on Friday to watch England versus USA. That's what's up. Oh, oh fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. like, if it's like that, like I'm down. Um, but who do you think got that? From what you know. I wanna I wanna say USA because I'm American, but England I think got that. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. England, USA play with a lot of heart as we all do in every sport, but England is technically a little bit better. But we'll see. We'll Where you going there with? Um, me is a part of Wolves. Oh, nice, yeah. nice. That's why I don't even know how we found it, but um, they just put in the chat. They were like, "Oh, we got free tickets." Free tickets. Oh, nice. So, so wherever they're doing it. So, um, how do you guys feel? And Colombia not making it. Oh no, I'm I'm, heartbroken. I'm fucking heartbroken, honestly. But it's also like el técnico no sirve para nada. Like the coach was asked um the past year during the World Cup qualifying, uh we went ten games where we didn't score a fucking goal. So as you can tell, I'm livid. It's like you talk about the South Korean jugar. Uh-huh. no Korean jugar. <laughs> oh, they don't. Yeah, man. We, we have we have the players. We have we have great quality in the Colombian squad in the selección, pero we don't. Yeah, we just didn't score those 10 games and that bit us in the ass. I think we were Peru, uh, not Peru, Ecuador made the, in Peru, right? They made the um, the last spot. Cause in, and so the way the World Cup works, South America has 10 teams, only the top five make it. Colombia was like one point off the top five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but again, we could have, we couldn't score for shit. Like we just couldn't. So, and unfortunately it's mad funny. Like um, there was a lot of people like, like uh, on Twitter saying that, they wish Colombia was in it because the fans are beautiful. Like the last time we were in 2014, like the way we danced, that every so goal, vibe. it was live. Like we bring energy. So unfortunate, unfortunate to know that our country's not in it or the country that we, mm-hmm. we love. Um, but hey, so hey. two of my three teams aren't in it. Um, I'm American, but my team is Italy. Uh, for the second World Cup in a row, we did not make it. Um, I was just going to ask you, that, you since you're that, part, so you have Colombia now, are you in for Colombia? <laughs> I do. I do root for Colombia. Um, uh, you know, I, I, I always, Juan Cuadrado is my favorite, one of my favorite players. Um, my favorite soccer team is Juventus. Um, so that's why, um, I fell in love with him and in, in his game, but you know, it, it hurts to not see Italy there, um, again, uh, especially the way we did it after winning the Euro and then not being able to beat, um, you know, 
when Jorginho missed that penalty against Switzerland, that 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 was bad. Uh, you can tell, tell it's your heart. Yeah, dude, it, I, I was so pissed because <laughs> like, who who wins the Euro and then doesn't make the World Cup? That doesn't make any sense. Like, I, so it, that's just another thing. So it, it's it's been tough for me to uh, to watch at the same time because I'm like, damn, my team should be there. That's the worst. And then I can't even watch Colombia either because they're not there either. So you're gonna break I, Max's heart again. Yeah. So you going with Brazil? You going with Brazil too? Both Brazil? I mean, I, I like Neymar. Oh, England. No, you're going to England. No, I got Brazil and England, but again, you asked me a hard question because I'm waiting to see tomorrow's games because I want to see Brazil and Portugal play. Like, I want to see every first game and then choose, Um, but Spain looked amazing. Today. So, I will say there, there's only been one team in the history of the World Cup that's ever crossed the Olympic, the the uh, the Atlantic, and, and won the World Cup across the sea, and that was Germany in 2014. So, a lot of these South American clubs, it, it'll it'll be interesting to see if that holds up. Mm, that's an interesting fact. That's definitely an interesting fact. Are you watching? Me, to be honest, I don't really watch. No, I'm down. I want to go when it comes to Gillette, though. That be I want to go to like every like major sporting yeah, event. That's in like four years. That's that's honestly like pray that Italy and Colombia. Because Colombia has a chance, right, to make it to, <laughs> yeah, yeah, to yeah, Gillette. Yeah. No, it's, to Gillette to play in Gillette. So, so yeah, every, yeah, yeah. after the World Cup, everything starts all over again. Yeah, but I know it's like seeding. It depends how like, they get oh, it, where they play. It, like, that that's not going to be determined for another three another years. three years. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. So this, yes, it's but our, to to give us some hope, like our team is young. Like there's some young talent coming up. Yeah. Um, we are aging. I'm sure you guys heard of James and Falcao, but like they're Cuatrao. They are they're dying out. Um, but there's an Ospina, the the, the goalie. Um, but. Locker have, room leaders. They'll be the locker room leaders. Yeah, and we have they some should. good. We have some good young players coming up. Um, but uh, yeah, let's hope, man. I mean, shit. Yeah, let's hope we we'll all go that's together. I'm definitely crazy. going. I'm down to go, hundred oh, yeah. percent. So, um, David, any closing words with the uh, what? What say a team to win it? Brazil. I'm. I'm. I love Brazil. So I'll, I'll choose Brazil. <laughs> yeah, I'm going Brazil too. Max seems confident about it. So does Chris. So I'll go with Brazil. My heart says Cristiano though. His heart, his heart says that might be heartbroken, but um, yeah, guys, I appreciate you guys coming through. Make sure you follow my guys, Crypto City Pod. Follow them on Spotify, on Twitter. They definitely get things together. It's a good uh, support some local businesses. Get that information you need for crypto. Mm-hmm. Invest at sixteen thousand tomorrow. Now that's my financial advice, not theirs. Um, yeah, David. So, how's your final well, thoughts on them? On the crypto podcast, you said, you said invest uh, that sixteen thousand. You're wilding. No, no, no. Thank y'all for being it. Um, it was lit. I think um, the more you know, um, the more the less you need to find out. So just keep on trying to learn and, and stay connected to them. DM them if you have any questions. That podcast on that drive home. Um, mm. You know, we listen to music all the time. So just listen to something informative for a change. Yeah, we wanted to thank you guys for allowing this to happen. Uh, appreciate anyone on the live stream that has tuned in and listened on. Again, happy Thanksgiving. Um, enjoy time with your family. It's been a crazy year. Um, so just be grateful for everything that has happened. Um, and, yeah, if you guys have any questions, please feel free to reach out to Chris or I. Um, and just Or Effie and David, and they could get us connected. But uh, Yeah, 100%. Yeah, one of, one of the most frustrating things is to have people try to get into the space, and they just go to people in places that know absolutely nothing of what they're actually talking about mm-hmm. like they'll go to cnbc or they'll listen to the the general news and it's just like no that you you can tell the what they're trying to push forward mm-hmm. and a lot of it has to do with their fear of using the u.s dollar losing its value um when in reality what we've really talked about is mostly how the technology works 
and, and explaining that to people is, is a lot different. So thank you again, you know, for letting us on. You know, you're welcome. I appreciate you guys coming on because I like to diversify, diversify myself. And, um, you know, my podcast has a range of everybody. I have football players on. I have uh, you guys on. I've had uh, things about, you know, I've had John Bellano on, my realty, uh, my realty, real estate, John Bellano, uh-huh. Bellano team, baby. Uh, reach out to Chris if you need any realty. Uh, real, I keep saying realty. Some real estate stuff. We definitely reach out to Chris and Bellano, the Bellano team. Oh, well, he's my realtor too. Yeah, he's with the Bellano team. Okay, I didn't know that. Yeah. <laughs> reach out to them, for real. Yeah, because I always like networking. You never know who you're going to meet. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I when I met you, um, it was over the summertime. You didn't know how to podcast. I didn't know you were into crypto. People meet for, you know, you never know who you're going to meet for what reason. And, um, you know, if it's, I can help you guys reach out to other people. And um, that's what, I, you know, I love about the podcast, having small businesses on and, you know, getting the word out there for where, people. Where did we meet? We met at um, the pool and last resort. Last resort. That shit so was. <laughs> it was. It was. But you never, like you said, you never know who you're going to meet. I think, you know, maybe you guys, are, I met you to get into crypto. Yeah, no, it's awesome. And like, exactly. Rhode Island is small and just the world is smaller. If you really think about it, and it's cool that we connect with like-minded people and just continue growing your network. Yeah, you never know who you're going to meet. Like I said, so I had uh, two uh, high school kids on on Sunday, on Monday. Mm-hmm. Um, they were celebrating the, winning the state football championship. And one thing I told them on the podcast was network. Network, don't be small-minded because you never know. Don't close any doors because um, that's how you're going to continue to level up in this world. Just uh, people like you guys who are trying to level up in this world, like David's trying to level up, and I think it's cool connecting all you guys and that's my one of my intentions with the podcast uh get my word get my friends words out there who uh you know are knowledgeable in spaces that i'm not knowledgeable in and um you know i'm glad you guys came in and uh been helping me um get into the crypto world because definitely uh, opened my mind on this for sure and like i said um i've learned a lot of things you guys can learn more stuff make sure you follow them on crypto city pod on spotify twitter and um yeah thank you guys for your time for tuning in we'll definitely have more hope we try to get chris on before he leaves to columbia and uh me and David and Max, I go visit you in Columbia, baby. Yes, sir. Yes, sir.